We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zeggers. Today we are going to talk about how Justin Trudeau just banned the sale and transfer of handguns in Canada. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the dark ages of politics in the once free West, you guys. A doctor is speaking out for the sake of children and their futures, boldly declaring that puberty blockers will cause infertility. Communist China just got caught using TikTok to spy on American citizens. They're claiming it was for advertising purposes, but the proof shows the purpose was far more nefarious than that. And as we get close to the midterm election day that's coming up early November, I'll share with you what you need to know about the Democrats' last-ditch effort to campaign on what? Social Security? Okay, I'm really glad you guys are back. If you haven't yet, hit the subscribe button, please, and thank you. Before we get into the first topic, Justin Trudeau and our appreciation of the Second Amendment, a little history lesson and some some talking about what we're dealing with moving forward, I got to remind you guys, if you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work that Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. You guys, how often do you hear of a company that supports our values? I mean, geez, it's rare. One in a million. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, or call 972-PATRIOT. Thanks, guys. All right, so let's start with the video. The man himself, Justin Trudeau, the communist dictator in Canada. I'm just kidding. That'll be in like a year. Uh, Justin Trudeau explaining what's happening now regarding handguns in Canada. And keep in mind, I'm from upstate New York, so I'm like really close to Canada. And this is really baffling to me because they're our neighbors. This is the West, you guys. I mean, we used to be different. We used to be a region in the world that focused on classical liberalism, that focused on the freedom of the people, on representative government, on these fundamental principles from the Enlightenment that have carried us for hundreds of years into what we are today, the first world. And now look at us, we're walking backwards. That's because whenever a progressive is elected, what happens? We regress as a nation, as a society, as a civilization. And Canada is up there doing that right now. In May, our government introduced measures to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. Today, our national freeze on handguns is coming into force. From today forward, it is no longer legal to buy, sell, or transfer a handgun 
in Canada. Ugh, woof, what a mess. Uh, Now, I I don't even know where to begin, Um, but let's just start. We'll get into gun talk, okay? I, I enjoy talking about this stuff, and I'll explain that in a bit. But let's just start with the fact that that guy who's banning firearms in his country, handguns in his country, is the same guy who said this. And this is a clip of Bill Maher talking about Justin Trudeau. He started to read what he, he said. This is a couple of weeks ago. He was, or maybe this is September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're Ooh, not. That was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And oh. with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate these? Now you do that's, sound like no, Hitler. That's, mm-hmm. that, that would... uh, and recently he talked about them holding, holding unacceptable views. Wow. This, I'm yeah. surprised to hear that Trudeau said those things. You didn't see the blackface? I mean, he... <laughs> no, I'm kidding about it. I'm not, I'm not... I mean... Okay, so you guys heard that. That's disgusting. It's really wild to hear a politician talk about people in his own country in such a disgusting way. That's the kind of language that you hear in in countries that perform genocides on other people. And in no way am I saying that he's performing a genocide or getting ready to, but it's oddly disgusting to know that these are the classic uses of language that will be implemented by politicians that end up doing bad things to people. And when you dehumanize people in such a way and say, oh, you have to live amongst them and they take up space and they have unacceptable views, then when you're training a population to hear this about the other, humans often build up a dislike of the other and they build up a justification for why it's okay to not like that person. I mean, I think humans are, are quite nasty and rude and evil in many ways. Human history shows us that. That's why I like mere Christianity, because it's C.S. Lewis kind of talking about the two separate things. You have human nature, which is often dark and evil and mean, and we are just horrific to each other sometimes. And that's, you know, on the political national level of the wars, the genocides, the famines, the things that we've done to each other politically on a world stage before or in our own countries to our own people versus like at home when we're liars, we're cheaters, we we do terrible things to the people that we love the most. Human nature is quite, quite sad when you look at it. But then what is it in us that looks beyond the animalistic tendencies and gets a pit in our stomach when we do perform bad things and we know what is it that's telling us that's a bad thing. And so he makes the argument that that is, that is our faith. That is God. That is this larger being out there that is fighting against the human nature for us to be sinful and bad and evil. And he's saying that, you know, you feel this bit in your stomach because you know that you just committed something because you know that what you just did was wrong. And even though you were driven to do it, you know still that you probably shouldn't have. So what drives us to make the opposite decision away from our human nature? I love that kind of talk, but hearing that from Justin Trudeau, it's a good reminder that for most of human history, politicians will talk about people like this. I mean, if you read the Bible, I mean, the politics of the Bible is insane. And if you look at especially the medieval times, oh my gosh, if you look at the history between things like like another interesting one, China, Japan, Korea, that's a fascinating history. The Mongols and how they came People have been just 
horrifically brutal. And especially I like to talk about um, serfdom in Russia before it turned communist because we saw how that country failed to transition out of that more archaic approach to an economic system and a government system. And it led to the communist revolution because they didn't have a cleaner transition out of what it was, where in America we had slavery, we had a strong leaning onto slavery for our economy, and we were able to work our way out of that without massive destruction. But back to the point, when we had the Age of Enlightenment, when we had the creation of nations like America in the, the 1700s, in 1776, when we wrote these documents, not us, <laughs> I wish, when our founders wrote these documents and they put the words together that would hold humans to a standard of checks and balances where they would not be given levels of power that they could lean into their human nature, their tendencies to lean into more sinful ways and oppress other people and hurt other people and become consumed by a desire for power and control. The entire structure of our government was created because we know that that's how humans usually act. I keep saying we, I'm so silly. Because the founders knew that that's how humans usually act. They read all of human history. If you read The Federalist, I do the Freedom Papers podcast for Turning Point USA. I have broken down every single Federalist paper for you guys, all 85 of them. And we talk about the Anti-Federalist Papers. The founders were arguing in the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, releasing them as opinion pieces in the local newspapers as they're arguing about if they should or shouldn't ratify the U.S. Constitution. because. Some of them were like, hey, this U.S. Constitution is going to create another monarchy. This is going to be the worst form of, of government the world has ever seen. This is a satanic piece of paper. The, the people in our founding fathers groups were saying that about the Constitution, that it was going to be an evil document. But then others were saying, no, 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 this is the best chance that we have. It's an imperfect document, but it will help us make a more perfect union over time. So the whole point of it was to address the fact that there's evil human nature for the most part. And they looked at all of human history. They looked at what was going on at the time for them. And they said, hey, how can we prevent oppression and hurt and the abuse of power by a few, by a small, tiny minority over the people of this country? How can we create a government where people aren't oppressed very quickly into the formation of the nation? <laughs> that rhymed. The formation of the nation, baby. Well, that's how we got into this system of checks and balances. You have multiple branches in the federal government, and then you also have the checks and balances in terms of levels. So you have local governments. You have – now I love talking about county sheriffs. They have the ability to say, uh-uh, this is not constitutional. We're not enforcing this. But you have state power within this federal system where we formed – the states together formed a federal government. So the states agreed as sovereign states, people of states voted – to create and ratify the Constitution, create the federal government. We have multiple different layers and checks and balances written within, all because our founders knew that for the most part, people in power act like Justin Trudeau. There we go. I kind of brought it back, you guys. There we go. I almost went on a rant, but it's like, ah, brought it back to Justin Trudeau. Okay, but that's the whole point. People usually act like Justin Trudeau. That is mostly human history, right? And then our founders said, we are going to try and do something different. And that's why I'm going to misquote this so hard right now. But I think I can't even remember what Federalist paper it's in. But one of the Federalist papers talks about if we're able to set such an example for mankind, we will 
have achieved so much. We are setting an example for mankind about how we are sinful in nature, but we are going to create a system where we will flourish and oppression will be stopped, nipped in the bud, hopefully, and freedom will prevail. Now, look at us now. We've got some issues, but that's a different topic. Now, when we know this about Justin Trudeau, that he talks and behaves in such a way, it's no surprise that he wants to do things like ban guns, okay? But what's concerning is that we're also seeing this kind of behavior in America. Think of what I just showed you about Justin Trudeau and his behavior, what Bill Maher said about what he was saying. Also, I will say too, I can't remember her name, but the woman that was speaking is the one that like ran for president a little bit ago. And I, uh, she was like an independent or maybe she ran it as a Dem. I honestly don't even remember, but she got a little bit of popularity out of that. And now she's, I don't even know what she's doing, but she was like, I can't believe he'd say such a thing. Listen, ma'am then you have had your head in a hole in the dirt. You are not paying attention then. You are in your own little progressive bubble, and you need to pop that bubble and understand that the progressive left always acts like this, so you shouldn't be shocked at all. These are classic tactics used by the left throughout history, especially the 20th, 21st century. Now, Like I said, this is also happening in America too. So I don't want you guys to be shocked. Who knows what's going to happen in one year, five years, 10 years in this country. But we certainly should not be surprised if bad things happen because you have people like this on the mainstream media talking. And I showed you guys this video earlier, but we're going to rewatch. This is a person on MSNBC, a pundit saying Trump supporters just, we can't wish them away. We need to learn to live with these people, even if we think they're bad people. We're not debating economic issues anymore. We're debating cultural issues, identity issues, issues around religion. So I think we have to accept that people who we completely disagree with are sometimes going to win. So there's, what, 74 million Trump uh, supporters, voters. We can't just wish them away. They're not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. So then we have to find a way to live with them, even if we think they're bad people, even if we Mm -hmm. think they're a threat to everything we hold dear. Because what's the other option that's in front of us? And that's a challenge because a lot of people will say, well, they're deplorable and we can't find a way to live with them. Isn't it a little bit ironic, though, that uh, you reference? um... All right. So, like I said, showed you guys that clip in a previous episode. But when I hear that kind of stuff on America's mainstream media, on national television, where all the they're all just chit chat and they've got their coffee mugs and they're like, yeah, what do we do about the millions of people that we just can't bear to freaking live with? Oh my gosh. Sorry for saying freaking. I'm trying to not say that anymore. Um, <laughs> fun little changes for Morgan after baptism. Right stuff. Uh, when I hear that, I get really freaked out because it's so casual how they're able to discuss the fact that they can't stand to live with people who disagree with them politically. Now, it also makes me say, hey, thank God for the Second Amendment. Thank God himself for the Second Amendment. Now, what does the Second Amendment say, you guys? It says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Remember what I said about the founders arguing about whether they should or shouldn't ratify the U.S. Constitution? I love this story so much. It's no wonder that I love to do that work with Turning Point USA. If you guys haven't looked it up, it's Freedom Papers. It's a podcast on podcast platforms, but I think you can find the videos like on YouTube or Facebook or something still. And it's really funny. It's me and like, I just have my friends on and stuff and we read the paper. It's like three or four pages um, before we film. And then we bring up the highlighted moments of each paper and then discuss them. It's, it's super fun for me. 
And I totally realize how nerdy that sounds, how I'm like, it's so fun. Woo. I'm like Bill Nye, the science guy, but for history and it's a little less fun because it's just me. Um, well, back to putting yourself in the position of federalists versus anti-federalists, arguing it out. And by arguing it out, I'm, I'm saying they got passionate. Okay, they were throwing attacks at each other and they were about policy. Some were about, you know, their intentions. Some were saying you don't have good intentions. Others were saying, you know, what? I know that the other side has good intentions, but I think they're wrong. And so it's just really cool to see the dynamics. I mean, humans have been so similar throughout history. And it's it's fascinating to me to see the connections between then and now. And then it's crazy, too, because we're looking back at what our founders were looking at. Like, what were they thinking? What were they evaluating? What what were they debating? And then our founders at the time were like, what were, what were the Romans thinking about? What were the Romans debating? What were the people in, in Europe thinking? What, what were the previous leaders before us, the founders of the United States, doing when they were trying to avoid these same problems? And then they looked at all of the issues. They tried to create solutions for all the potential problems. And that's how we ended up with the Constitution. But here's the fun fact. If it weren't for this, one of the first great examples of debate, of differences happening in the United States and then coming up with solutions and forming one positive solution from two different political sides, it is the ratification debate between the Federalists and Anti-Federalists. And when we look at this, we're able to see that we wouldn't have had the Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution without this massive debate. Why is that? Because put yourself in this. I always ask myself this. Would I have been a Federalist or an Anti-Federalist had I been in the specific position of being presented with just the U.S. Constitution? No Bill of Rights, because that's what our founders were dealing with. So think of the amendments listed out, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, the right to keep and bear arms. These things are not in the Constitution. Have you ever thought about this? A lot of people just get, they don't even... It doesn't cross their mind because we kind of take it all for granted and we think it's all just one big package that maybe the founders passed together or created and voila, a government. But no, no, no. They created the Constitution. So the formation of the branches. Think of the basic structure of the Constitution. And they just had that in mind. But it was the anti-federalists that came around eventually because you needed a certain number of states, a certain number of people in the states to vote for ratification. So they were telling the people of the states, hey, we know you just fought a revolution against a monarchy that was oppressive, that was colonizing you, that was taking your money, that was uh, oppressing you with, with massive military presence in your homes, in your towns, all this stuff. But we're saying that now that you're free, we think it'd be smarter for you to actually give up more of your freedom and give us more power. We'll create a federal government and you'll totally be fine. Please just trust us. I mean, these people had massive trust issues when it comes to giving up freedom, right? I mean, they just had a very serious situation that they went through because of a King George. And a lot of them were worried about creating another king by creating this very powerful central government. So you had to convince these people why it would be smart. That's why the Federalist Papers were written. The people against that, though, were the Anti-Federalists. And what ended up happening is some states, you could not convince them to vote for ratification. The people that were in the states that needed to be decided, the founding fathers in those states that were against the Constitution said, we will vote to ratify if you guarantee that we will create a Bill of Rights, that there will be amendments to the Constitution that guarantee certain things. That, you guys, is how we got the Bill of Rights. That is how we got in writing 
the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the very important things, and the Tenth Amendment, too. That's really important that explained anything that's not written in the Constitution as a power delegated to the federal government that would go right to the states. So thank goodness for this debate that happened, for these arguments that took place between our founders, because it created something fascinating. Now, I put myself in that position of, wow, I don't think I would have been in favor of just a constitution. I think I would have, you know, and hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So I'd, of course I'd pick the good side. But don't you think that it would make sense for people to have hesitancy of supporting the constitution if our rights weren't specifically listed out? Our rights given to us by God, but protected by government, if they weren't listed out in the Bill of Rights, would you really feel comfortable to be like, sure, let's create a federal government, I guess? Because think of how fundamental citing the Bill of Rights is today in lawsuits and in all of the important things, in the justice system, in legislation, when governments are, our our politicians are trying to take our freedoms away from us. We say, "Ah, ah, ah, have you heard of the Bill of Rights? Thank you very much. It's so fundamental. So the Second Amendment being the second thing that's listed there shows just how crucial and important it is. Now, I'll, I'll break this down into two ways. Is the Second Amendment around so that we can go hunt white-tailed deer during hunting season? No. So the most frustrating part of this, when we're trying to have a serious debate about gun rights, about the Second Amendment, the left is like, listen, you don't need an AR-15 to shoot a deer. And it it's really, really nasty how they're doing this because they're kind of dismissing it. Their angle is to dismiss it and to build a narrative, whether it's for their own side or for the people who are kind of wish-washy on our side, to think that the Second Amendment is about things as silly as hunting. It is has nothing to do with hunting. It has nothing to do with white-tailed deer, and it has everything to do with tyrants, stopping tyrants. It's about the people having the power to stand up for themselves if the government ever got too oppressive. Now, moving into that next issue is the language of it. All right, got to cut in because you have all helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special exclusively for my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets marked down as low as $29.98, Mike's now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. The set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with one bath, one hand towel, one washcloth, typically retails for $49.99, but for a limited time with code MORGAN, you can get the three-piece towel set for as low as $19.98. You guys, I really like this stuff, okay? I've got the sheets from my pillow, I've got the towels from my pillow, I've got the slippers from my pillow. It actually is a really big code if you use code MORGAN, so just saying. People are people always reach out. They go to my pillow and then they use my code and they're like, whoa. Thank you, Morgan. And that makes me happy because it's nice and cozy and I like homemaking, so it's fun to make homes cozy. Uh, don't miss out on these incredible offers. Look at me going off about homemaking. There is a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code Morgan, or go to MyPillow.com. Click the radio listener square and use promo code Morgan. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Thanks, guys. The standing army that the Second Amendment was supposed to be able to protect us from and provide us that check on their power, it is things like the entities of the federal government that are being weaponized against us today. It is for the oppressive weaponization of law enforcement, especially these stupid executive branch offshoots. It is for 
if any of these things. Now, Biden will take it a next step. This is why I get a little nervous about what's going on in the country, because Biden is now saying things like, oh, you think that you're good with your Second Amendment? Nice try. We have like fighter jets. Okay, you're going to need some fighter jets to fight against us if you really think you're going to war against your own country. He'll say nasty stuff like that. So it's like, great, good to know that you understand exactly what we mean and you're just out there trying to convince people it's just about hunting. They know exactly what we're talking about and they're just trying to manipulate the conversation. But then they also say stuff like, oh, so you're going to shoot your own countrymen? You're going to go to war against your own countrymen? It's like, uh, well, in human history, if People say, I was just doing my job, but they're carrying out the effort of tyrannical politicians, tyrannical leaders at the top, then yeah, they become your political enemy. So whatever force they send after the people, if the people want to stand up, then that's kind of what happens. Now, I think that they are using that against us because we're so protected in the first world, right? We're so protected from how gruesome history has been and the world still is today that we have a hard time wrapping our heads around this concept. But that's exactly what this was made for. It's what it was designed for. Our founders intended for the Second Amendment to be fighting against tyrants, not hunting. It's not about that. When you remove firearms from the population, you are easily controlled. I'm not going to give you the classic talking points and expect this to be some shock to you guys. You should know this by now. Every socialist and communist regime that comes to power removes firearms from the civilian population. It happens every single time. That is a done deal, okay? It happens. You can ask any other person that's fled from those countries. You can read any history book that hasn't been distorted, and you will see that this is a classic tactic. So to... This is why I'm so frustrated with politics these days. It's like, it's so cheap for me to go on and do a video of like, did you know in history, the guns are taken from the civilizations before they're oppressed by dictators. We must prevent this from happening in America. It's like, okay, let's move on from that talking point and get serious because they're actually trying to take the guns. So we can try and make people aware as aware as possible, but we need to be very clear on this. It's no longer just like, hey, this looks sketchy and it's happened before. We should probably keep our ears up. They're actually trying to physically take the guns now. So let's step it up a little bit. Now, side note on this, and in addition to the discussion of firearms, I'm really, really sad to see that he's doing this to handguns because as a young lady, a handgun is my equalizer, all right? I've got a Glock 43X. I've got a SIG um, P365. I really like it. I've got a few others, and I can't imagine going out and about without one of those with me. I'm either, you know, carrying appendix style concealed carry, or I've got a few other ways. I love to call it fanny packing. I wear a fanny pack with a pistol inside and it's called fanny packing. Get it? That's the best joke I'll ever make in my whole life. I hope you guys are laughing. Maybe a bad delivery. I know, but I think it's personally hilarious. Now that is my equalizer because what I'm five feet tall. I'm like 115 pounds, maybe 110. Woo. And, um, I, if I ever had any male come up to me, even like a teenage boy that has little tiny legs thinner than mine, he would demolish me, right? I need an equalizer if I am ever attacked. And so it's really unfortunate because this is a great opportunity for people that believe in women's empowerment. Where are you, radical leftists? Where are you, feminists? You should be advocating for women to be able to protect themselves. And a handgun is exactly how you do that. Now, I feel very sad for the women of Canada who can't do that. When I'm in like New York visiting my family and stuff and I don't have it on me, oh man, 
I don't feel good, but I could go on like a hike alone with a pistol in my fanny pack and I am like queen of the world, right? You could attack me and I'll take you down. I feel all confident and stuff, right? Because I also know how to use it. So you should also be well-trained, you guys. I'm not saying that just because you own it, <laughs> you should feel super good about yourself or or very confident in your skill. But if you train with it, if you practice with it, you're going to be so much more confident as a young woman going out into a world that often wants to hurt you or do bad things to you. I mean, again, human nature is quite nasty. Be prepared and be smart and practical about it. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. If you ever have questions, if you're listening to this and you want to know more information about like concealed carry outfits, about practices, about training, about information of what guns work for you guys, I can talk to you about it. I can connect you with Paige Rue, who is some girl who shoots on Instagram. I have plenty of friends that do that kind of training, and I am serious about this. Do not let politicians scare you away from protecting yourself and being focused on common sense and practical solutions for protecting you and the people around you. Okay? I say that because I care. All right. Now that we talked about the Second Amendment for way too long. Okay. Before I just freak out again, I have to talk about a little culture thing and then we'll move on to the next topic. You guys, we have a doctor that, you know, broke out of the crazy woke barrier of medicine that's out there today. And she did a video that is so rare to see, but I just wanted to give her a shout out, let you know about what's happening. She came out and she's speaking out for the sake of children about what the heck is going on. She specializes in urology and she explains that puberty blockers and hormonal therapy can lead to infertility. I found this from Libs of TikTok, of course, but they posted the doctor. Hi, this is Dr. Christie. I just want to give a brief public service announcement. I feel a responsibility as a physician to be honest about puberty blockers and hormonal therapy in teenagers. This can lead to infertility, and I don't know if that's really well known. Um, that means that you would never be able to have your own children. It really is important to go through puberty at your normal sex, as your normal sex, and at your normal rate, and not arrest that process. Um, give your body time to complete the process before you start changing things that could have long-term um, implications. So I want you to be smart about it. That's what I'm here for. Help you out. Okay. When we're talking about puberty blockers and hormone therapy given to children, because this is way before they turn 18. What's happening now is hospitals are getting exposed for giving hysterectomies and actual sex change surgeries to kids, and I shouldn't say kids, but young adolescents under the age of 18 years old. So legally, they're, they're children. That's disgusting. But what I also find really disturbing about this, beyond the actual physical surgeries, is the fact that physical changes are being allowed and they're irreversible, but they're being sold as reversible as reversible or as, you know, no big deal. And it's called puberty blockers or hormone changes. So you're putting as young as like 13. So the young teenager that's before they've gone to puberty, through puberty, their body is being pumped up with the opposite sex's hormones and they're having their natural sex's hormones limited. And it is causing some chaos in their bodies. I am so, so in to the science of hormones of the science of how our bodies work, of how our minds work, of how what we put into our bodies can completely affect our health 
and our mindset, our mentality on things. I love looking into it. And the left is so completely anti-science on all things, but they are the dictators of science that it really makes me more passionate about speaking out about this stuff and trying to find doctors that will also speak out about it. Now, what makes me the saddest is that, yes, it's really important to not allow kids to carve their bodies up, especially before they're 18. I think 18 itself is too young too, because how the heck are you going to be able to make that decision, especially if you're a male and your your brain hasn't even stopped forming yet. It hasn't even stopped developing, especially the decision-making parts of your brain to make responsible decisions with all factors, all context included to have proper discernment, to bring proper wisdom to a decision. You're saying that young boys, before their brains have stopped developing, are going to be able and are able right now to carve body pieces off of themselves that are not replaceable, that will prevent them from ever procreating in their life. It's scary to me. So that's happening. But now you have the hormone blockers and puberty blockers where that itself, the mix-up of all of the things happening on the inside of our body, just because we can't physically see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's having detrimental impact on the fertility of these people because they're going through puberty doing this change, or they're stopping puberty from even happening, or even after puberty, they're now trying to change all their hormones up, and it's completely wrecking their reproductive systems, and so much more. I mean, these kids are balding. I saw one video, and I think I I showed you guys this one, of a girl that started hormone therapy, puberty blockers or whatever, as a teenager. And then now at 25, she's balding. Balding. Who does that? And so it's these are experiments. The bottom line is that we don't know the long-term implications of any of these things. They are experiments. And now... Not only is the left selling this kind of stuff as reversible and totally safe and totally fine to experiment with, and you could just start your puberty back up if you want to start it back up. You could just stop taking hormones. They said that in What is a Woman, if you haven't seen that yet, with Matt Walsh. But they are now saying, if you don't agree with this, then you are the bigot. And they're telling doctors, if you don't agree with performing this stuff on kids, then you are going to get disciplined. Then you need to be reeducated. If you're a parent and don't want this to happen to your kids, there's now legislation in some states that will, if passed, report the, the parents to CPS, to Child Protective Services, claiming that the parent is a bigoted uh, child abuser that's not supporting the gender-affirming treatment that their child wants. So this is really disturbing stuff, but I'm glad to see that we finally have a doctor that's speaking out about this. Now, next, we have to do a little PSA because we've got a scary, scary article coming out from Forbes. I'm just going to read it to you real quick because I am not good at this tech stuff, but I need you guys to understand it, and I just want to do a quick PSA. This is from Forbes. The title is TikTok Parent ByteDance Plan to Use TikTok to Monitor the Physical Locations of Specific American Citizens. Now, before we get into it, why am I telling you about this? Because TikTok has been and still is a communist Chinese spyware on the phones of millions of Americans. It's ruining our culture, in addition to many other things. But it's also actual spyware that we're putting onto our phones, and now it's being exposed that the company is using the spyware officially to track us and spy on us. The article says a Chinese-based team at TikTok's parent company called ByteDance planned to use the TikTok app to monitor the personal location of some specific American citizens, according to the materials shown by Forbes. The team behind the monitoring project, 
by its internal audit and risk control department is led by Beijing-based executive Song Ye, sorry if I said that wrong, who reports to ByteDance co-founder and CEO Rubo Liang. The team primarily conducts investigations into potential misconduct by former and current ByteDance employees, but in at least two cases, the internal audit team also planned to collect TikTok data about the location from a U- of a U.S. citizen who had never had an employment relationship with the company, materials show. So this internal audit thing inside of ByteDance is saying publicly that, hey, we just we perform audits on uh, current and former employees. But now it's being exposed that this internal audit system is actually just using the TikTok app to access private information about American citizens that don't even work at or haven't even worked at the company. Creepy. It is unclear from the materials whether data about these Americans was actually collected. However, the plan was for a Beijing-based ByteDance team to obtain location data from U.S. users' devices. TikTok spokesperson Maureen Shanahan said that TikTok collects approximate location information based on users' IP addresses to, among other things, help show relevant content and ads to users, comply with applicable laws, and detect and prevent fraud and inauthentic behavior. But the material reviewed by Forbes indicates that ByteDance's internal audit team was planning to use this information about locations to survey individual American citizens, not to target ads or any of these other purposes that they're claiming on paper. So are you guys tracking here? They have this fake, it's almost like a shell, a shell group at their company that is on paper responsible for internal audits, but behind the scenes is actually just like investigating locations and private information of American citizens using access via the app, which is spyware on the phones. It says Forbes is not disclosing the nature and purpose of the planned surveillance referenced in the materials in order to protect sources. TikTok and ByteDance did not answer questions about whether internal audit has specifically targeted any members of the U.S. government, activists, public figures, or journalists. But at the end of the day, you guys, I think we all know what's happening here. You can never trust information from a communist regime, especially communist China that's been doing this for 100 years at this point. Um, Let's move on to the last topic. Okay, before I let you go, we got to give a quick midterm update. That's what I want to talk about, and then I'll let you off into your wonderful week. Happy Monday. Uh, We have a situation right now of a little change-up in rhetoric. We're seeing the Democrats talking about social security. That's kind of random, right? I mean, like, out of nowhere, just social security. So I want to share with you a little clip, and then we'll talk about it. Republican leadership in Congress has made it clear They will crash the economy next year by threatening the full faith and credit of the United States for the first time in our history, putting the United States in default unless unless we yield to their demand to cut Social Security and Medicare. You heard that one, right? You all heard them say that. That's what they're saying. Let me be really clear. I will not yield. I will not cut Social Security. I will not cut Medicare, no matter how hard they work at it. Folks, we know what the Republican Congress will do if they regain power. They're telling us. They're being straight up about it. They're going to repeal lower prescription drug prices I just signed into law and raise drug prices. They're going to cut Social Security and Medicare. They'll pass massive tax cuts for the wealthy. Make Okay, it's just ridiculous. Now... Why are they talking about Social Security? It's because this is a last-ditch effort to try and freak out any elderly people that have paid all their lives into Social Security 
into voting for the Democrats because they have run out of opportunities. They've run out of options. They've used the abortion thing as much as possible. It's only going to sway about 8 or 10 percent of the electorate in this election. And we don't even know if that's really going to be the case or not. It'll kind of depend because young people usually aren't that dependable about showing up. But now they kind of are because the cool thing to do is to be in politics. That's going to be an interesting one. But at the end of the day, it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy that will drive people to the polls. We've seen that the Republicans lead by astronomical numbers on the important issues like inflation and like taxes, like everything else. And they are going to win if the polls are accurate about what Americans currently care about. And anybody that's going to buy groceries, anybody that's going to just do their basic tasks throughout the day is going to see how impacted we've all been. Now, but why would they talk about Social Security? It's because it's just a simple classic talking point that we hear every year. And this is where I get frustrated. And this is where we need a positive change. Social Security, you guys, was a great concept on paper, right? I mean, hey, we have an issue right now of we aren't like the old days where all the generations live in the same house and you take care of your grandparents and the kids stay in the house until they're married off and then the grandparents are taken care of in the home and everybody is happy multiple generations under one roof or on the same street, whatever it may be. Unfortunately, we are a country that's ripped apart the generations where we all just live scattered across the country. We are not tied to family. And, you know, maybe you're from a big family and you still do that. Bless your heart. I love that for you and I'm jealous. But for the most part, people don't do that anymore. And it has caused a lot of problems. And so we see the Democrats saying, hey, the solution is universal pre-K and things like Social Security, where if you pay in in every single paycheck, Every single time you get a paycheck, you pay into Social Security, you guys, and the federal government takes that money, and then they are also putting the money back out to everybody who's retired. So you pay in with the understanding that the federal government will give you that money back as retirement payments when you're in your later years and you aren't able to work anymore. That's the whole concept. But now people are healthier for much longer. They are living for much longer. And let's just say the whole concept is down the drain at this point because it's run out of money. All of the money that we've all paid in, fair to say that our generation, millennials, Gen Z, or even Gen X, you're not going to see that money. There's very slim chances. And so people talk about, okay, should we make people wait a few more years to retire and receive their money? Or what do we do? What is the solution right now? Or do we give people less money, right? Some of the solutions are paying 78% of what you thought you would get in your payments. So all the money that you gave in, you're now getting less than you ever were planning on getting. So people are really, really distraught over this. And it makes a lot of sense. You entered this agreement with the government thinking that they were going to keep their word. But guess what? When have they ever done that? So for me, I am definitely not planning on getting anything back from Social Security. Of course, we're all forced to pay into it. But if you ask most young people that understand the issue, they'll say, oh yeah, the thing's going to crash before we get there. And so to freak people out though, right in front of the elections, you hear the left bring up Social Security again and say the Republicans are going to cut it. We're not going to cut it. We just are willing to have a practical discussion about how this is a failed program now, and we're still expecting people to pay in. We're not being practical at all about creating a better solution for people's retirements, whether it's private, personal retirement plans for people that are more trustworthy, whatever it may be. We're willing to have the conversation, whereas the Democrats, when we bring up the topic of Social Security being 
a failure within the next 10, 20, 30 years, completely running out of money, they say that we are ripping money out of the hands of the elderly people of America. Do you see how this is very disingenuous for them to do? And they do it right before every election. So that's what I wanted to just explain for you guys. That's what we're dealing with here. Now, what I want to ask you is, would you rather have a politician that will campaign on a passionate issue of nonsense every two years to rally you up and to get you to vote for them? Or would you rather have people that will say, hey, this is going to be a hard truth, but this program is a failure and we've got to come up with a solution. None of them are looking good right now, but we're willing to look for a way out of this. Will you support us trying to move forward, trying to dig ourselves out of this very deep ditch. And I'd rather go with somebody who's more practical, who's going to dig us out of the ditch slowly but surely and try and help and assist with that too than constantly be fed BS. Oh, my throat hurts from yelling so much in this episode. I think the problem is that I'm standing up right now. I'm visiting Owen and Talia in Bernie and I'm in Owen's studio and I'm the table was at a, a weird height and so I couldn't sit. I had to just stand for this whole little hour that we're together and it makes me yell more. <laughs> All right. If you guys haven't yet subscribed, I really appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. Leave a review if you don't mind. I would really appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.